0: Hey, this is Gino Caffarelli, and I'm sitting here with Elias in the Man Cave, Man Cave Chronicles. Check out Capone, which is streaming right now.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles.
0: Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, You Yo, I it! with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture oh yeah tv nice movies oh
1: i love the movies
0: comedy and more from deep
1: inside the man cave your host elias gino welcome to the cave how you doing buddy how are you thank for having me good man how are you
0: not too bad not too bad getting uh, getting a little dark here today um what is it uh little little, little past uh, eight o'clock so it's uh, starting to get dark later on summertime approaching there
1: you go. how's that how's that quarantine life treating you
0: um not too not too bad it was um you know it was a, it was a lot worse a uh, couple of months ago I would say it seems like um seems like uh, the uh, the world's got it a little under control right now so Hopefully, knock on wood. We don't, you know, we don't see a second, a uh, second wave coming when the fall hits. That's right. You know, during flu season and stuff. That's going to be scary.
1: Yeah, yeah. I hope this is it, man. I hope this just ends, and hopefully, in a few more months, we'll get that vaccine that everybody's talking about.
0: I know they've been they've been working really hard on it. So, knock on wood, they get a vaccine. But it's been, it's been challenging. Um, I like I I tell all my friends that I speak to on a daily basis. I mean, everybody's going to have that good. I have bad days, you know. You're gonna have the good days and your bad days. That's right. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just something we've never seen before. It was just something that came out of. I mean, for me, it came out of left field. I really, I mean, a lot of people didn't take it seriously because they didn't really know much about it. But then, when it kind of like that, that second week of March, when everything kind of like went into lockdown, it was pretty weird.
1: Um, just very, very strange, you know. Mm, nah. So I was doing some research, my friend, and you know you've been busy the last few years. You know you've done some uh, various TV show appearances, and then uh, recently you played the mayor on The Irishman and Gino on Capone. Man, you've been busy.
0: I've been um, I've been uh, what I always say, uh, you know, grinding, grinding along, clawing away. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's been you know pretty exciting. Um, you know, as a kid, always wanted to you know be involved with film or TV and be an actor and uh, be a filmmaker. And um, I always uh, have a good work ethic. So it's it's always about putting the work in first. Um, I like when it's almost kind of like the sales game where you, you know, if you if you talk to five people, you're going to close one person or if you you talk to 10 people, you'll close two people, or you'll make two sales. Um, I feel you know, more stuff that you put in the sales funnel that you that you work on, it eventually comes out of the out of the funnel as well. So you know, if you if you work on a few projects, then out of the, out of the blue, it seems like you know all the projects kind of like start coming out all at once, which is pretty cool. So it seems like I've been busy, but it's also um, just a, I guess a lot of time and you know you know uh, grinding
1: along with it. Mm-hmm. So so you grew up in Queens, New York, and I was reading you know like did you grow up in that, like in that in that like strict like italian family
0: uh i would i would say it was i mean i it was uh it was strict um i was born in a, in astoria which was mainly uh, greek and italian and yeah. then my parents yeah and then my parents had moved um to flushing um which was Probably, it's probably like a 20 minute ride from Astoria. So, it's still the same part of Queens, um, maybe a, a 10 minute walk to Shea Stadium, home of the Mets, now City Field. Um, but as far as strict, um, I would say uh, yes, yes, and no. Like, I, I saw other kids in, in the European culture that, that would be brought up, either with Italian, Greek, Irish, um, that were strict. Um, my parents, you know, I had a, you know, I had a curfew, you know, I had to be home at a certain time. Um, I went to Catholic, you know, Catholic high school, Catholic grammar school, even a Catholic college, which was my choice. I could have, I could have went to a few universities I I had made, but I went to a college that was near home. Um, but yes, yes and no. Like, um, I wasn't able to really go out, out and really have a curfew until I was about sixteen. So as far as, you know, could you know, my parents keeping me in line. Um, yes. But um I guess if you were a girl in a in a strict uh, you know, strict kind of Italian household maybe it's a lot tougher. Girls getting have it a lot more tougher. Um but I was definitely definitely there was discipline in, mm-hmm. in, in, in my home and, and where I where I, you know, grew up. There's definitely there's always discipline involved, which I you know, I look back and I appreciate now. Um kind of, you know, it's a lot different with, you know, you know, uh, with kids today, They, oh, yeah. I dig, mm-hmm. don't really know the, you know, what discipline is. So it's a lot different. You know, I, I've taken my, uh, my share of, um, you know, getting, uh, you know, I, I don't want, I don't get too, uh, um, too detailed, but you know, I, I've gotten my, my smacks as a kid. <laughs> if, I, if I, if I, if I, if I, you know, if I, if I did something wrong, it wasn't, you know, um, but every and every every household is different. But the Italian the Italian culture kind of you're brought up with that strict uh, of uh, you know following certain certain guidelines. Mm.
1: So like, how old were you where you kind of had an idea that you know this is, you wanted to get into the entertainment industry? And what and like were you watching something one day also? And you're like, yes, this is what I want to go do.
0: Uh, there's a, a couple of things that really you know kind of made me want to. Um, be in in the industry itself. I didn't. I really didn't know where to start. Um, I, I guess the biggest influence on me was um, was a TV show uh, in the fifties called The Honeymooners with Jackie Gleason. He yeah. played a uh, played a bus driver. His name was Ralph Kramden. His sidekick was Art Carney, who played Ed Norton. Um, when I saw when I saw that, and it was a black and white show, and I I, I was introduced to that show probably. Uh, when I was about five or six, so I was, there was 69, I was born 69, so probably in the 70s, that show was from the 50s, but it ran in syndication on reruns like forever, and I just, um, I fell, I just fell in love with um, physical comedy, which most, you know, most, um, whether it be director or producer or casting director, they don't see me as a either a physical comedy type guy or a comedy actor. But um I was the class clown in, in school. Um, I I do have a personality where, you know, anyone that's grown up with me or gone to school with me, they're like, Oh, Gino Cafferone, that kid's a piss I me. I was funny. But I never really get I never I've never got casted in a comedy or can looked at as a, as um a comedian. I did some maybe some hosting at comedy clubs back in the day. But Jackie Gleason was probably my biggest influence. And then as I got older um, when I say older, when I was 16, 17, um, I started taking some private, you know, acting classes. Uh, and then I, you know, I would always, I'd be, I'd be in Manhattan, Whether I take my mom to the doctor. When I first started driving, I would always see like movie trailers, you know, like shooting movies and stuff. And I would always kind of like pull over and ask them, you know, what movie they were filming. Um, and then one day I, uh, I pulled over and they were filming, see a love without Pacino. That was 1987, 88. And I asked one of the guys at the walkie talkies, I was like, uh, well, what do you do? We're like, what do you do on this, on this production? Like we, cause I'm a PA and I didn't know what a PA was. I'm like, what, what's a PA? He's like a production assistant. I said, "Well, how do I, how do I do what you do? He says, well, he, you know, he, mo- most of those, you know, guys, from the walkie talkies, they kind of like tell you to like, you know, take a walk with filming, but he, he gave me some information. I'll never forget. He said, um, pick up the Hollywood reporter where back then it was, um, it was a magazine and look up all the movies that they're doing in New York and mail out, you know, back then where you could actually put a letter in the mail and mail out, uh, you know, mail out you know, to all the movies that are being shot in New York that summer. Cause it was like, it was summertime and uh, asked to be an intern on one of the, on, on one of the show, on, on one of the films. Yeah. And uh, I mailed out like 50 letters. And then I, I got, like one call from like 50 letters and, and um, it wound up being a a film with Matt Dillon and Annabella Sciorra and James Gandolfini, I think is one of his first movies. It was called Mr. Wonderful. And it was directed by the late great Anthony Minghella and an assistant to the producer of that film called me up. He says, I got your letter. Are you available available to be an intern um, on this film to be a PA? And I was like, absolutely. Uh, And that whole summer, I think it was the summer of like 1990 I was, my actual first time on a movie set wow. as a production assistant intern. So I I kind of um been very uh, I guess uh what's the word? Um just um investigative, like i always kinda of like, you know, find out what well, what is what is that person doing? Who does that and how do they almost almost kind of self taught. But as far as the acting goes, um d I've taken classes. So Training and acting is a lot different than kind of like working on a set. As a filmmaker, I, I would say I was self-taught. As an actor, I would say I was I, – I, either people either have it or they don't, but then they also got to kind of like hone their craft and, you know, um, you know, like really kind of – you know. Uh, it's like, again, like any type of schooling. You got ma- to master, uh, ma- master your craft, master whatever you're, you're really yeah. passionate as far as a career goes. Uh, but I was always a natural, naturally born salesman. I always, you know, was always selling something when I was kind of, you know, either going to school, um, I was waiting tables, I was selling cars, I was selling cabinets. I was always selling something. I'm, I'm a people person. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so what you told your parents that this is what you wanted to do, like, what was their reaction? Like, how did you sell it to them?
0: I had, I mean, I, again, I... um I know now a lot more, of course, you know, you, go grow older, you, you grow more into um, I wish I, I kind of knew what I knew back then that I know now, but um, I, um, you know, I conformed like most, most kids do. They, they go to school, they go to high school and then they go to college and they work on their degree. Uh, I, um, I originally started uh, in the pharmacy program, believe it or not at St. John's university, the first two years. Uh, and uh, I realized, and I had great grades in high school and, you know, great grades going into college. Uh, but I just, um, I just didn't see myself being a pharmacist. It was like, I was a people person. I was outgoing. Uh, I just, it didn't, it just didn't fly. I always had in the back of, you know, in the back of my, in my mind, in my head, I wanted to be an actor. And, and that's what I really wanted to do. But, you know, telling an Italian family that you want to be an actor, or filmmaker, you know, I, I, I tried telling them I wanted to go to film school and that didn't fly because they didn't really understand what film school was. Um, I said, it's basically, you know, same things like taking, you know, getting an education or a degree in filmmaking, but, um, I conformed like any other kid kind of like doing, you know, following other friends that would, you know, and and family members that were going to college and, and taking certain, um, classes and and taking certain majors. And uh, I conformed, but then after the second year in the pharmacy program, I was like, this is not me. Um, I decided uh, that I, I still was going to go to college, but I, let me just get a business degree. I could always use that you know, in the corporate world because I, I was always in sales prior and after college. So I said, let me just get my, my, uh, my management uh, bachelors at St. John's and I did, but I always wanted to be an actor. So they still, you know, I got old school parents from Italy, yeah. um, I'm first generation Italian so it, it it they're still grappling with the fact that i'm an actor um you know they get phone calls from like family members and friends and and you know i saw your your son on a certain show or oh i saw him in this movie um so they 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 kind of get it but you know when i'm not working cuz you know actors they have they work and they don't work they're working unless you're you're working consistently on a show or something They, you know, they have this uh, thing that maybe it's a hobby or something I just kind of like wanted to do for fun. But I, um, you know, I I, kind of didn't listen to the naysayers. Um, This is what I wanted to do. I had it in my heart. And once you have something, you know, that's authentic and comes from your heart, everything else follows. Um, So I was, yeah, one of those kids that conformed. But as I got older, I was like, no, it's not a pipe dream. You can actually do it. If that's what you dreamt about, you know, I know it's cliche, follow your dreams, but I I always tell people to follow your passion, to follow your dreams.
1: How old were you when you uh, made the big move to LA? I was,
0: I was, um, that was, I moved to LA in 2006. So I was, I was late, late, like when I say late bloomer moving to LA, I was, I was late, I went late in the game. I, I really didn't go out to LA to be an actor or be a filmmaker. I, I wanted to leave New York for a little while. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to get out of New York. It just, I, it was it just, it was just kind of consuming me. I felt a little overwhelmed. I went through some stuff personally and, you know, um, and I just wanted to get out of New York for a little bit. And I was like, I know some people on in LA, I know some friends. I stayed in Santa Monica for a couple of months on, on the couch and then, uh, found my way into West Hollywood, which I, I wound up living in West Hollywood for the, you know, for six years it was, um, I was 36, I think. And I, I, you know, I got out there kind of, when I say got there late, I mean, better late than never, but I, I just kind of went out there with no expectations. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, I always wanted to, I wanted to be in California. I always would pick up, you know, magazines or newspapers or that had, you know, where all the game shows and TV shows and films were, were being made. And I would, I, I would see all these like weird names like Burbank and Wilshire Boulevard and Santa Monica and I was like it was kind of foreign to me but as a kid I always wanted to be out there so um I really didn't have any expectations about going out there and um it was the best thing that ever happened to me because uh stuff started happening organically and things started happening for a reason and that kind of changed the direction of my life was moving out to LA with with no expectations because a lot of people that go out to LA thinking they're going to be a star you know they come back you know kind of disappointed um so you know i i would recommend if you know any anyone that's listening to the podcast that wants to go out to, to la you know always you know always have kind of a game plan but also don't you know don't uh, don't expect anything if you have no expectations and stuff starts happening organically that's the most beautiful thing
1: so i mentioned you know, you know you've done some films you've done some tv shows like what's been like some of your favorite like tv shows that you've had uh roles in
0: well, one show. I mean, a lot. A lot of people don't know that I was in. That actually got me my um, my SAG card was The Sopranos. I did um, I did one episode of The Sopranos. Um, my friends that were were in the were in the game of uh, the the acting game of auditioning and stuff like that. I had a lot of friends that were going in for for The Sopranos when it became a hot show, and a lot of my friends were going in. You know, uh, you know, ten times. I had a friend of mine. I think, went in fourteen times. Uh, and then eventually later on in the seasons, booked a role. Uh, but I, I was freelancing with a manager uh, in New York at the time. And I think it was like 2001 or 2002. And he submitted me and I got an audition for The Sopranos. I wasn't in the union yet. And I go in for the uh, show and I was like, well, here's my chance to, you know, get on a hit show and show my chops and show, you know, show them what I can do. Uh, basically took a risk in the room. I uh, read for David Chase, originally read for Georgianne Walken and Sheila Jaffe, and then original, and originally the casting directors, and then read for David Chase and a bunch of the producers. And the director that wound up directing that episode was Mike Figgis, and he did uh, he did Internal Affairs, he did Leaving Las Vegas, which was pretty wild. Uh, and I wound up booking this role, and the name of the character was Vincent Pizzatoro, a.k.a. Vinny Pitts. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty cool name. Looks like I'll probably get called back, and um I didn't get called back. It was the only episode that I did uh, that year. They had some changes in the writers and stuff like that, so I never went back. But I'll never forget that that, that show made me Sag eligible, and it got me my Sag card. So that's the most memorable TV um, awesome. gig for me because it got me my because it got me my Sag card, um, and I always tell people that that Soprano I went in for, you know, went in once for the show and I booked it because I was really mentally prepared and as an actor prepared to, to, to book that show. Because um, it was a tough, it was a really tough, tough show to get an audition for. And it was a, a even more uh, harder show to, to get a role on. And uh, I just was, I was ready. I, you know, it was opportunity meets uh, preparation. I was prepared and the opportunity was there and it got me my set card. So, um And again, as a kid, I always jumped about you know, about being in the Screen Actors Guild. So that was, for me, was a a major milestone, you know, getting my SAG card. That's awesome.
1: And and I'm sure it was, like, awesome just even being on that show even for an episode. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: I was, um, I mean, the the weird thing about that, too, was I I never forget that Mike Figgis was born the same day I was born, which was weird. And we talked about it on set. Oh, well. um, I'm, I'm born on February 28th. I'm a Pisces. It's almost leap year, so you know, being born on the 28th, people usually think, "Well, are you born on the 29th and you celebrated on the 28th?" I'm like, "No, I'm born on, on February 28th." And he was born on February 28th. And I'm like, really strange that um, I wind up booking one of the hottest shows, and then one of the directors that I I love when he he he, do, he did um, Internal Affairs and then he did uh, Leaving Las Vegas. So it was kind of like, kind of almost kind of surreal that we had the same birthday
1: mm-hmm.
0: so before we
1: start talking about Capone really quick how was it being on the sure. Irishman
0: and again that's uh, that's like one of the um, highlights of my life you know working with um, guys like De Niro and Pacino and, and just being in a room full of legends um, you know I, I, I've said this to my friends and colleagues and, and anyone that I speak to you know, I'm in the, I'm in the movie, you know, for a second, you know, I get introduced as the mayor of Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the dais with De Niro and Pacino and uh, we got Pesci in the audience and Harvey Keitel and Ray Romano, Stephen Graham, uh, my best friend, Catherine but just legendary actors in the crowd. But um, what, what people don't realize is that I, I went through a rigorous audition process for that. Like it wasn't, you know, even though it didn't have any lines, you know, they introduce me as the mayor and then I, I do a photo op with Robert De Niro, uh, Robert De Niro's character. Um, but I was put through a very rigorous audition process. So whether you have lines or not with Scorsese, um, you, you know, he, 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 he has to prove everything. You know, Ellen Lewis, you know, shows him shows him tape uh, and whether, you know, the character has lines or not, he's got OK everything. So I, 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 I went through a very rigorous audition process even though um, it was, you know, a quick cameo in the film. But even being that it was a quick cameo in the film, I got to spend like almost two weeks, 10 days on the set. So to me to spend 10 days with, you know, actors like Pacino and De Niro that I grew up as a kid, like watching on, you know, in film and admiring, was like, like, you know, being a kid in a candy store and and watching Scorsese direct mm. was, you know, I, I would have just loved to be a fly on the wall. Never mind, you know, being an actor on set. It was incredible. It was it was, it was amazing. The last day of shooting uh, is basically when I realized that, you know, I had to pinch myself. I was like, wow. Like, uh, I kind of felt like a, you know, a five-year-old, like, looking up at, like, my idols. It was amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. So, recently you started at Capone, and that was supposed to be a movie to come out of the movie theaters, but because of this whole uh, COVID-19 thing, it got pushed out the street. Yeah. Like, so, like, when you first heard about this project, like, uh, what drew you in?
0: Um, well, I, I had worked with um, the, the director, uh, writer-director Josh Trank, on another project ten years prior, uh, called Big Fan, which was written directed by Rob Siegel. He had written The Wrestler, uh, so I had met the director ten years before. And uh, working with Josh Trank on set, he was a producer on Big Fan and, and an editor on the film. I just just felt like again, my I'm very intuitive. Uh, when it comes to talent, whether it be an actor or a producer or a director, you just feel just I get that feeling of like, wow, this this guy really knows what he's doing. i just I felt that on set with the writer, director Rob Siegel, and with Josh. Um, I just always knew that he was an incredible talent. So fast forward ten years later, um, when they finally announced, uh, and I didn't know, they finally announced that Tom Hardy was going to be playing Al Capone. But not, you know, your typical Al Capone, like, you know, shoot him up, bang him up Al Capone gangster style. That he was playing Al Capone in the last year of his life. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I started, you know, hearing about it. And then they finally announced it. And um, in the trade magazines, like, you know, Deadline and Variety and Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. And not not a minute after that 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 announcement came out is when I got the phone call from Josh Trank. I got the phone call, like, literally like a minute after the the the, the, the trades, you know, hit online and he called me up and he said, Hey, did you hear about my movie? I said, yeah, I did. I said, sounds fantastic. He goes, how'd you like to be in my movie? And I was like, wow. So it was, um, you know, um, uh, I, I always, we're always grateful to, you know, Josh Trank for basically just casting me in the film. Cause he, he knew, um, what type of you know actor I was and what I could bring to the table as an actor. And he wanted to be authentic and, and, um, Again, I'm, I would always, you know, I'm always very grateful and thankful that he casted me in that role because um, I'm very grounded. I know, you know, I know that role could have, you know, could have went to someone else. Or, uh, you know, a lot of people like to play the Hollywood card or the Hollywood game, and cast a name, and you know, a I, lot. I, I respect directors and producers that you know go with their gut and um, you know know that the actor is capable of pulling it off. And like, you know, I want to give this guy the job because he's perfect for the job, and I respect that. Even guys like Rob Siegel who basically found my wheel on YouTube and just had a feeling that I deliver in his film big fan like I give I give a lot of credit to people that go with their gut and go and go with you know uh, against what uh, I guess you know industry people say they're like well you have to to cast the name and it's got to be like this it's gonna be like that I respect you know directors and producers and and casting directors that go with you know their gut so um that's how that that's how that went down that's awesome you yeah, yeah. I just I'm very grateful for that, and um, I, I love um, I love the feedback that I'm getting, you know, as far as my performance goes. Because you you kind of uh, you see some different colors of, of of my character in the film. You
1: know, you see you're nice and and you're bad in the film, so which is pretty cool. Mm. So you play Gino. Like so, how like how would you describe that character? Uh...
0: I did some research on Capone and like, you know, guys that he hung out with and, yeah. you know, his kind of like his little entourage. He was always a, like a loyal guy. If you were in the Capone clique and Capone crew, he was always very, um, very loyal to his, you know, family and friends. Um, I based it, you know, because it wasn't really based on a real, real guy. I mean, when they say, well, your name is Gino in the film, was it based on you? And I'm like, no, it was really based on a few people. So I, I took a bunch of guys that he hung out with. Or that were his kind of like uh, button men, um, so doing the research through documentaries and through you know online internet research, I combined a few guys that he hung out with and kind of made him my own. Mm-hmm.
1: So how, how did it, like uh, the director feel about like like the way you took the character to portray him?
0: Um, well, again, he he knew the type of actor that I was, um, and I love you know giving the director exactly what, he, what you know what they're looking for. That's always an actor always kind of wants to deliver for the director, because I mean that's why they directors they direct you in, in, yeah. in the way they want you to portray the character. So he knew the type of actor I was. So um, the direction was 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 pretty straightforward. And um, being that I worked with him, with Josh, you know, years before, right, uh, on on Big Fan, um, we had a relationship. So I really got him as a, as a filmmaker. And um, being that it was just very different than a lot of you know, a lot of, um, you know, yeah, because I don't look at, you know, I don't look at the film as a gangster pick at all. It's um, again, it's the last, it's the last year of Al Capone's life. And, you know, there's no footage or, you know, um, documentation, you know, he, he died of um, heart failure, which was because of neurosyphilis and dementia, but um, being that it was just a, a different take on his life, was just so fascinating to me because it's never been done before. And I love, um, you know, I love projects that are unique and different and authentic. And from that point of view, I was really excited about, you know, um, the film because it's never, you know, we've seen Al Capone, you know, everyone's seen uh, The Untouchables by Brian De Palma and De Niro, you know, portraying Al Capone. So, you know, that's a different, that was a different Al Capone and in, in, in the heyday of Al Capone. And this is, you know, you know most gangster films are the rise and fall of a gangster, you know, even like with sort a movie like Scarface, you see the rise and fall of Tony Montana. This is more just the fall. you've been watching just the last year of his life,
1: mm.
0: so you don't really get to experience you know they talk about it the heyday of his of his life, but you see the hey you see some of the heyday of his life more than kind of like nightmares and you know resenting or you know having. Issues with what what you know what he did in the past, so very
1: different and very unique. How was it working next to Tom Hardy, by the way?
0: um Again, going into the project, you you have like a certain, I guess, certain uh, way that you think the actor is going to be. Or you know, I've seen him in such such great performances, and I'm like, wow, you know, he's 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 like he's the actor right now. Like he's like kind of you know, a, a chameleon, you've, you know, I've seen him in, you know, Batman and then you've seen him in, in a in a film like Venom, which is different yeah. from him playing Bane and Batman. And then I saw him in a movie called Locke and then I saw him in, a, a, one of the first films I saw him in was Bronson. So I'm like, this guy is kind of like a chameleon. And like he's like, like one of the actors that's really kind of like got his shit together as an actor, like guys like Christian Bale and Tom Hardy. and Like these are all kind of the new guys that are, that are you know, eight plus in their game. So going in, I was like, you know, like, you know, is he going to be kind of like in, in the zone all the time, or is he going to be method like Daniel Day Lewis is on, you know, um, PTA's movies where he's kind of method all the time. And doesn't, you know, doesn't break character, but you know, I, that's the picture that I thought I, you know, that I, that I made, like I would walk in on set and he's, you got this guy, it's going to be in dementia. He's going to be kind of like, you know, in there all the time at all times, and it wasn't like that at all. He He's the type of actor that could, you know, turn it on and off mm-hmm. at, any, at any you know any time. You know, one minute he's joking around, and then they call cut, and then they call action, and then he's back in character, and they call cut, and he's, you know, dancing. So right. he's he's the type of actor. Not a lot of actors can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. actors kind of, like, want to do, you know, that, you know, some actors, you know, they're trained in method, some are they're trained in Sanford advisor. They, they have their own process of um, their work. But he was a type of actor just to turn it on and off, which was kind of refreshing because, um, you know, being on a set with, um, you know, a topic like dementia and a guy who's kind of losing his mind, I thought it was going to kind of be kind of, um, you know, tippy-toe and I got to watch out. I thought it was going to be more of a morbid set, but it was an incredible set to be on, and he was easy breezy to work with.
1: You mentioned earlier that uh, you, you did a PA with, and Matt Dillon was there, and Matt Dillon was in this movie, too. Like, Did you, like, even go up to him and talk to him and let him know that?
0: Oh yeah, we became, I mean, um, we became instant friends. He was like my, um, at the hotel, we lived right. Like we lived in a, in um in a hotel motel setting. And he's like my neighbor, like right next door. And we, we clicked immediately because we're both from New York. He was born and raised in um, Marinette. I was born and raised in Queens. We're both met fans. So we clicked immediately. And, uh, I told him that I worked on Mr. Wonderful and, you know, he was Matt Dillon back in 1990, so he was a lot different. He was a lot different, than Matt Dillon. You know, he was young and and kind of you know always going out and like you know a kid really still. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah, he was still a kid, um, and he would grub cigarettes off of me all the time. At the time, he was smoking. He doesn't smoke anymore. We both don't smoke, but he was grubbing cigarettes off me on Mr. Wonderful, and I and when I when I met you know uh, met Matt again. Um, I told him that I was a PA on uh, Mr. Wonderful and he was like blown away. He was like, get out of here. I go, yeah, it was, I go, I know you're not going to remember me. I mean, I was I was on the set a lot. I mean, I was on that project, I think, for like two months. Um, but, you know, actors, you know, they're in their zone and they're doing their thing. You know, they're not going to remember, you know, 30 years ago, you know, exactly who they were working with. But he was like, wow, you got to be kidding me. But for me, it was like, you know, coming full circle as like a, a PA uh, being a you know, production assistant on a on, a, on a, a film set for the first time, and then 30 years later, actually being in a film with Matt Dillon again it's kind of like, um, you know, uh, life coming full circle. You know, I, I look at I look at the journey and not the destination. You know, the journey from 30 years prior to being a PA yeah. on, on one of his films to to actually being you know um, a cast member on, on on a film of this caliber uh, was just incredible. It just, uh, again, it's like one of
1: those kind of like pinch me moments, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. These are stories you're going to tell your kids and your grandkids. Thousand percent. Yeah. Thousand percent. Because again, it's, it's it's about, it's about the journey, you right. know,
0: the, you know, the, 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 the climb up is always exciting. You know, there's, you're going to have your, your gap grit and you're going to have, uh, you're going to fall, but you're going to get up and some people don't get up and they kind of like stay there, you know, uh, I've had a lot of, you know, a lot of falls, um, but, you know, I am the type of guy to persevere and, you know, move forward. Um, and that's what I tell people. I say, it's always about, it's always about the journey. And, um, you know, the, you know, there, this, there, there's those tough days and those tough nights, but then there's moments like that when you're on set and you're like, holy shit, 30 years ago, I was a PA. I wasn't getting paid. It was my first film set. I didn't even know, you know, what move like how movies were made, but I just loved movies. And then you know, I'm working on a film like Capone. Um, you know, you kind of sit there, you, you 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 take you take a second, and you just smile and you go, "Wow!" It just shows you how far you can go uh, when you really believe in what you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. So, be- before we start recording, you mentioned uh, you wrote you're the process of writing a children's book too. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, uh, that's. You know, like I, I, yeah, I left. It's like an, it's like a 180 from, um, from like a movie like Capone to uh, a children's book. Um, it was inspired by my daughter. Her name is Athena. Uh, my daughters half Greek, half Italian. My side being Italian, and her mom's side um, being Greek. Um, and my daughter was born with a hearing loss. When, when, we caught it when she was born, and originally we thought maybe you know a lot of kids do fail their hearing tests when they're born. Um, and the doctor said, usually a lot of kids do fail the hearing test. It's due to, you know, maybe some fluid and stuff. So we had her retested like a month later and the doctor had told us that she had a hearing loss. So fast forward uh, a couple of years later, I mean, we caught it early, but, um, she, how she had to wear hearing aids in both ears. Um, so it was, it was a little bit of a, a, little bit of a blow cause there's a lot of things that uh, can happen when, you know, when you have a kid, but you know, uh, I looked at it as a blessing and, uh, I was in Greece one summer a couple of years back and we were in Athens and we were driving by a marina and I was like, wouldn't it be cool uh, to, like if there was an ad? Cause I'm always thinking of ideas being, you know, I'm always in that creative mode. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool to you know, maybe, you know, pitch a maybe an animated show uh, about a little girl that lives by the marina. And I'm like, Athena by the marina, Athena, this. I'm like, I'm like, that would be a cool show. But I had pitched an animated show a few years before that. And it's just so hard pitching an animated project. So I kind of always had it in the back of my head. And then in the last year I said, you know, I'm going to tackle this and I'm really going to go for it. Now I didn't know how to write a children's book, but I'm a big believer in you don't have to know how to do something. Just believe you're going to do it. And then everything else will kind of fall into place. And I just started doing my due diligence and my homework. And I started looking at the publishers and I pitched the publisher uh, and they loved the idea. And uh, I started writing it and, In quarantine, when the film industry kind of shut down and everything kind of, you know, we were on lockdown, everything shut down, uh, I had to adapt. And so I'm like, you know what, let me put more time into the children's book. And I finished the first draft and submitted my manuscript to the publisher during quarantine, and they loved it. And then we were in the process of just picking out an illustrator as of like a week ago, and it should be out in the fall. So it was really inspired. It's about a little girl. It's inspired by my daughter, about a little girl. Who takes a trip to the marina for the first time with her parents? Uh, who communicates with all these sea animals at the marina and at the aquarium that's at the marina uh, with her hearing aids? She communicates, you know, she, you know, the hearing aids amplify sounds, so she communicates with like dolphins and mermaids and fish. Um, so I just, I, I, just again did it out of my heart, and out of, you know, uh, out of a, a passion um, for my daughter. And um, again, I didn't know how to how to I didn't know how to start on a children's book. I just really believed I wanted to do it. And I'm like, fast forward. Now the book should be out in the fall,
1: September, October. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you've done, yeah. so you've done the book, you've done acting, you've done directing, you've done PA. What's next for you, hmm. man? What's on your list? What, what, what uh, are you, you going to tackle next?
0: I, ha- you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm always open to like, you know, new, new adventures and stuff like that. But, uh, um, I'm still writing in quarantine, in quarantine as much as quarantine we have left. Cause I know a lot of, uh, Um, a lot of places are starting to open up, but, um, I've been writing, you know, I got the manuscript out for the children's book. I just been developing another two screenplays, one that I wrote on my own, um, you know, based on a girl, it's a girl power script. And then the second one I I co-wrote with somebody, um, that's also, I kind of write what I know. Um, when I, when I moved to LA, that was always kind of the lesson that I got from a lot of, you know, writers and producers. They're like, you know, write what you know. Um, so I kind of I, I kind of do right what I know. So um, knock on wood, like I'd like to direct a feature one day. That's really my goal. Um, and I'm working on a, I'm working on a, a pilot, um, an independent pilot uh, for a friend of mine. Uh, we're working together. Uh, we're shooting it. I think we're looking to target some independent like pilot presentation that we're shooting in August, I believe. And uh, we're doing a PSA for him as well. I'm really excited about that. Me and my producing partner, we just uh, we just finished um, closing out. You know the the um, uh, I guess pre-production. We're still in pre-production now, but uh, excited about working on this comedy pilot and this PSA. So trying to keep trying to keep busy. I'm always kind of uh, looking for the next uh, next thing. Um, I. I, I, I I, don't, I don't like to sit around. I like to like to keep busy. That's great.
1: That's great. Uh, lastly, Gino, how can the listeners find you on uh, social media?
0: Uh, best uh, best way is uh, through Instagram at Gino Caffarelli. on the uh, Insta would be the best way. All
1: right, Gino, this was fun. Thank you for coming on. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Thank you for having me.